Welcome to the Well-Nurtured Brain, where we delve into the exciting world of brain health. Every episode, we bring the latest research and expert insights on mental and neurological health and offer practical tips and strategies on how to nurture your brain and optimize its function. From mental wellness to neurological health, we'll cover it all so you can become skilled in the care and feeding of the most important organ in your body, the one that makes you you, your brain. Welcome to episode 11 of the Well Nurtured Brain. I'm your host, Dr. Pamela Hutchison. I'm a naturopathic doctor with over 20 years of clinical practice supporting folks with mental health and neurological challenges live healthy lives. And today is part one of our two-part series on the mind diet. As promised, we are delivering on our promise of getting into what is likely the best diet for brain health that we know of right now on the planet. I'm going to make my case for this in part one simply by going through four different studies that establish the strengths of this diet scientifically. And then in the second half, what we'll do is we'll go through greater details of what the diet is and talk about some of the interesting theories as to why it might be helping as much as it does. It's got a pretty big effect size. If this was a pill, it would be one that everybody was taking. This ordinary act of eating food every day truly builds our bodies and it builds our brains. And if we want to protect our brains from neurodegenerative decline, if we want to improve cognition, if we want to slow the development of neurological illness, this is probably where we want to be in terms of diets, this diet called the MIND diet. The MIND diet was developed by a researcher called Martha Claire Morris and her colleagues at Rush University in Chicago. They were and are researchers at the Rush Memory and Aging Project, which has done a lot of landmark work into the intersection of diet and brain health. And Martha Claire Morris came up with this combination of the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet. The acronym DASH means Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension literally what it means. You can almost think of the mind diet as the best of, because what Martha Claire Morris and her colleagues did was they took the best performing foods in the DASH diet and the Mediterranean diet, and they gave them more emphasis. And what I mean by best performing is best performing foods that they've found in their own research and other people found in their research around things like what foods seem to play a role in reducing cognitive decline or neurodegenerative diseases in people. So you can see why this is such a great diet for brain health, because it's literally one that's been designed by the researchers who are experts in eating and brain health. And they've gone forward and they've researched this in various ways. So to start our exploration here of the scientific evidence behind the MIND diet. Let's start with 
a study by the original gangster herself, Martha Claire Morris, and colleagues, of course. The study's title is Mind Diet Associated with Reduced Incidence of Alzheimer's Disease, and it was published in 2015. It's a prospective study, which means that they followed people through time. So they weren't looking back over time and asking people what they ate. They were asking people what they ate and then looking forward through time and seeing what happened to them. So in this study, they actually looked at three different diets. They looked at the Mediterranean diet, they looked at the DASH diet, and then they also looked at the MIND diet. And they wanted to see how this related to incidents of Alzheimer's dementia. And they followed 923 people who were members of the Rush Memory and Aging Project. This is the project that Martha Claire Morris was until she died in 2020, a big player in. So followed these 923 people aged 58 to 98 years for four and a half years. And they did annual neuropsychological assessments on them and food frequency questionnaires, which was part of the larger project of the Rush Memory and Aging Project. And then they reviewed their diets and they scored how well they adhered to each diet. So in a sense, they created a scoring system and then how the people reported their diets and their food frequency questionnaires got scored. And the more you ate in line with a specific diet, the higher your score would be. With this type of research, what they'll do is they'll establish some metric, and then that metric, they will split the cohort into three or four or five groups based on how they scored in that metric. So in this case, the metric is how well do you adhere to the MIND diet or the DASH diet or the Mediterranean diet? And they split those people into three groups with the top tertile, the third tertile being the group that was most adherent to the MIND diet, and the first tertile being the one that were the least compliant with that diet. So the people who scored in the top tertile of this MIND diet scoring had 53% lower rate of developing Alzheimer's disease when compared to the lowest tertile. And this isn't a four and a half year study, so it's not a long period of time, but they did have people who developed Alzheimer's disease in that time period. Uh, when you're looking at people aged 58 to 98, that's not surprising. There's going to be some folks that are developing Alzheimer's dementia within that time period. And 53% lower rate of developing Alzheimer's dementia is pretty darn good. And what was also interesting was that the people that scored within that middle tertile, so they were not the best at adhering to the mind diet, but they also were not the worst. Those folks in the middle tertile that were doing, they were doing okay, but not great, had a 35% reduction in their Alzheimer's dementia rate compared to that first tertile. This shows something we call a dose-dependent response, and it does actually hint at greater reliability to the data. Compared to the DASH and the Mediterranean diet, the MIND diet appeared to have uh, more of this dose-dependent pattern. And it might mean that when you start scoring people's diet based on the tweaks they've made to the Mediterranean and DASH diet to turn it into the MIND diet, 
if you're emphasizing certain foods, you can actually get away with uh, less compliance, let's say, to the diet and still get outcomes. Only the highest tertiale of the DASH diet and the Mediterranean diet scores in this study were associated with lower incidence of Alzheimer's dementia. And it was still pretty good. So the Mediterranean diet had a good response. So if you were in the top tertiale, you had a 54% reduction in rates of Alzheimer's dementia incidence. And in the DASH diet, it was 39% reduction. So this was 2015. This is Martha Claire Morris working with her colleagues to establish whether this wine diet was actually a useful diet for people to use and to study. They also were following people forward in time, which reduces the risk of bias, makes the information a bit more reliable. So that's study one. Study one basically associating the MIND diet with reduced incidence of Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Study two, I picked this study because I thought this was really interesting, and it is actually a randomized control trial. We don't see that very often in nutrition. It's an Iranian study, and it is a single randomized controlled trial of the MIND diet looking at its effect on cognitive performance and brain structure in healthy, obese women. What these researchers did was they had 40 women, the mean age was 48, and they were all obese. The mean body mass index in this population was 32. And they randomized them to either a control diet that was calorie restricted or a mind diet that was calorie restricted. So they had equal calories going in, regardless of which diet that they consumed. And then they track changes in their cognitive performance using a battery of neuropsychiatric tests. And they did that at baseline and they did that at three months follow-up. This was not a long study. This was only three months. And the outcomes were interesting. So the MIND diet group actually showed in just three months improved working memory, improved verbal recognition memory, and attention. All of those aspects were improved in their cognitive performance on neuropsychiatric tests compared to the control group. And then the other thing that was interesting is they did baseline and follow-up MRI scans that showed increased surface area in specific brain regions in the MindDite group that they did not see in the control group that they interpreted to reflect modifying destructive effects of obesity on cognition and brain structure. It's a small study. It's women only. It's obese women or overweight women only. I think it's an interesting piece of information because in only three months, they had measurable changes in MRI compared to controls. This was a randomized controlled diet. There's problems with this study. Obviously, people knew which diet they were on. One of the things about this study that is interesting is that the population they chose was female. We might be seeing in some population, in some situations, women respond actually better to the MIND diet. And you're going to see what I mean in, in study four as we move through this. Women might actually have a bit stronger effect when they eat the MIND diet. I just found this to be fascinating. And I would say that it's a small 
study, and we can't say a ton from it, but it certainly speaks to potential mechanisms of action and that when you eat the mind diet, that it actually is encouraging changes in certain regions of the brain. I love that kind of stuff. When you can see something in a short period of time, that's an ordinary thing like changing your diet. And then in study three, this is actually another study with Martha Claire Morris is one of the authors and lots of familiar names on the team. This study was looking at the mind diet and how it might affect cognitive decline after brain injury event, in this case, after stroke. This was published in 2019, and the title is Mediterranean-Intervention for Neurodegenerative Delay. That's what MIND actually stands for. So the MIND diet slows cognitive decline after stroke. A few fun facts about cognitive decline and stroke. One is that it's a really common sequela or problem that comes from having a stroke or any kind of major brain injury, where there's bleeding on the brain, cognitive decline is a common outcome from that. And compared to normal aging, we know that when someone's experiencing a stroke, an ischemic stroke, which is the most common form that's caused by a thromboembolism that's lodged in a small vessel in your brain, each hour of an ischemic stroke causes 3.6 years worth of brain aging. It's another reason why we really are emphasizing the importance of treating stroke quickly. Time is tissue, and it's a pretty precious tissue that's being affected in stroke. Most strokes last about 10 hours, so you can imagine that someone is losing decades of brain health, in a sense, in just a short period of time. And it's not surprising that people who have had a stroke will have twice the risk of dementia compared to those who have not had a stroke. So this study was, again, using data from the Rush Memory and Aging Project, looking at these volunteers. The Rush Memory and Aging Project runs out of Chicago and has just a huge number of volunteers, older people who volunteer their health information in order for us to study the effects of various things on memory and aging in their cohort of 970 people who had had at least two or more annual cognitive assessments they had determined that 106 of them had had a clinical history of stroke and then they followed these folks up for just about 6 years and established how folks were doing compared to how they scored on the mind diet the top tertiaries, so the people who were most adherent to the MIND diet, had slower rates of global cognitive decline compared to the people that were in the lowest tertiaries. And specifically, they did see a slower decline in both semantic memory and perceptual speed. And this is when compared to the lowest tertiaries. So, Again, Martha Claire Morris and colleagues were establishing that even after brain injury, it appears that people that adhere to the MIND diet do better and slow down the rate of cognitive decline that people will experience after having a stroke. That, to me, seems like a pretty important intervention for clinicians to know. Because there's very low risk to 
changing someone's diet in the way that the mind diet would represent. There's not a big problem in a risk-benefit analysis in terms of risk. It's an encouraging outcome if you are dealing with people who are experiencing brain injury or stroke. And then the last study, study number four, that champions the mind diet, and that I'm very proud to be able to tell you this, is a local British Columbia, Canada research group. This study was looking at, of course, Parkinson's disease. And looking at adherence to mind and Mediterranean diets and how that might be associated with later onset of Parkinson's disease. And this was published in 2021. And one of the principal researchers is uh, Silky Cresswell, who is a bit of a superstar at UBC and has some additional research going on right now, looking at the introduction of probiotics into the care plans for people with Parkinson's disease and whether that has outcomes for them in terms of reducing anxiety. So I'm a huge fan of this researcher, period. And she and her group at UBC took 167 participants for this study. They did food frequency questionnaires. They had 119 controls. And then they scored those food frequency questionnaires for the MIND diet and two versions of the Mediterranean diet. So there was the original Mediterranean diet, and then there was what they were calling the Greek Mediterranean diet. And what they found here was pretty interesting because, first of all, they found that the female subgroup just generally adheres better to the MIND diet, more closely to the MIND diet than the male subgroup. Why? We don't know. As a clinician, I do notice that women do have a greater tendency towards or gravitation towards eating vegetables than their male counterparts. Is that what we're seeing here? Maybe. What they found was that later onset of Parkinson's disease diagnosis was correlated most strongly with the mind diet adherence in the female subgroup. And it corresponded to an astonishing delay in diagnosis of 17.4 years between the lowest and the highest tertiles of mind diet scores. In the study of cognitive decline associated with obesity, they used only women in that study. And maybe that was fortuitous in that in this study as well, they're finding that the female subgroup has a much stronger outcomes associated with the MIND diet with the 17.4 year delay in being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. A little bit of back history with that. When you're diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, you're being diagnosed because you've developed the motor symptoms. But unfortunately, when people are diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, they've actually had the disease for 10 to 20 years beforehand, and it's been smoldering and not yet showing the motor symptoms. The loss of dopamine neurons, which is what occurs in Parkinson's that causes the motor symptoms, is just a part of the disease. There's a lot of things going on and a lot of metabolic things that go on. And it's possible that the reason the MIND diet helps in this instance is that one way in which you can change your metabolism or affect metabolism quite significantly is by eating in specific ways. And the MIND diet, as we'll get into next time, it has some pretty specific ways of eating. 
simple but specific. They did find the Greek Mediterranean diet adherence was significantly associated with later PD onset across all models. And in men, this related to an 8.4-year delay or equivalency to an 8.4-year delay in diagnosis. So again, comparing that top tertiale of adherence to the lowest tertiale of adherence. That's pretty strong data to support that there is some type of at least an early Parkinson's disease, like extremely early before we have motor symptoms, that diet could be playing a pretty profound role in how quickly you develop the disease or how quickly the disease progresses. Those that listen to the last episode of The Well-Nurtured Brain might recall that Dr. Lori Mishley, who is a Parkinson's disease researcher, was specifically talking about how one of the goals with neurodegenerative disease is if we can just simply delay the onset of the illness itself through various mechanisms, whether it's diet or exercise or other things, that if we can just delay the onset long enough, the person may never live into the hard part of that illness and so not have to experience it or never actually develop the active symptoms of the disease. That the target can simply be, let's delay. And if we delay, because our lives are limited, we may never experience the problem itself. One way that I would think about this particular study with Parkinson's disease and the mind diet is that if I had family members with Parkinson's disease, if I knew that Lewy body dementia or other types of Lewy body illnesses seemed to be in my family, I might make it a priority to take on becoming really good at the MIND diet, and especially if I was female. That's our fourth study in my four-study argument. Let's call it my four-study salvo to enticing you into part two of this two-part series on the MIND diet. I'm very impressed with these studies, and there's more. I picked four that I thought were interesting and would be convincing for you and and or slightly delightful, like the randomized controlled trial showing changes in just three months in cognition. It's just, it's an interesting study. If you're a middle-aged woman and your BMI is over 32 and you're having some difficulties with cognition, you know, three months of mind diet is not a long intervention to see if it makes a difference for you. So all this being said, I think it is in most of our best interest to learn how to eat in the Martha Claire Morris mind diet way. The good news is there is a book for this. I'm going to give you the Coles note version in part two. However, if you're really interested, we will put a link to the book. I get no money for book sales, but we'll put a link to the book in the show notes so that you can take a look and see if that's something that you'd want to dive into. So thank you so much for listening all the way to the end here. I so appreciate the feedback I'm getting from people about the podcast. I've had a lot of really interesting interactions with, especially with patients who are now listening to the podcast and finding that this enhances the therapeutic intervention that we do in office because we can refer back to a lot of this information that 
we wouldn't have time to go over in this great of detail during a visit. So that's been very rewarding for me to hear that type of feedback, but also just knowing that there's folks out there who really want to take care of their brains, who are interested in how lifestyle and more natural interventions might make a difference for their brain health, and want to hear these interesting conversations that we're going to be having about brain health in the coming episodes. So I want to first of all just say thank you so much for being here. If you are moved to, please leave a favorable review and subscribe. That makes a huge difference for getting the information out to the world, this valuable brain health information so people can have juicy brains all over the world. I'm looking forward to sharing my passion for the mind diet on part two, episode 12, which will drop in two weeks. Until then, please be kind to your mind. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Well-Nurtured Brain. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe and share this podcast. Spread the word about brain health to your friends and family. They'll thank you. The content of this podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice, nor should it be considered as such. If something discussed today seems applicable to you, please seek the assistance of an appropriately licensed healthcare professional. Thanks again for listening.